Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, we decided to try something new. Adebayo, he joined me on the episode to talk all about his journey into supply chain. Starting off in the Army, he learned everything that he knew about logistics from being in the Army, and he talks about and gives us all sorts of stories from being overseas and in the action and how he's brought that back into his own life and transformed it into one of the thought leaders in supply chain. If you missed it, don't worry. We have you covered. Go to podcasts over at letstalksupplychain.com and you can find his episode there. This is one that you will not want to miss. His story is absolutely fascinating. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. What is quality assurance? SQA believes that quality is getting what you paid for. Quality is spectacular, iconic, heroic, patient safety, safe flights, and astronauts to space. Quality is worldwide. SQA has a global footprint that supports complex and highly regulated supply chains. The partnerships SQA has created over 25 years have benefited through integrated strategies where SQA is able to support clients on an annual basis. Each year, SQA works with its client partners and their suppliers in over 70 countries, deploying a robust network of over a thousand associates. SQA understands the complexity and challenges within a global supply chain, and our clients have seen that the results from SQA exceed their internal efficiencies. Annually, SQA performs 3,000 audits, 150,000 hours of component inspections, and 35,000 hours of engineering supplier development. Quality is what you put into it and how great you want it to be. For over 25 years, SQA has been a leader in assessing, monitoring, and improving supply chain performance. Quality is SQA, so come and join us. You can visit us at sqaservices.com. Hello, and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. We are in the final month of 2020, and I don't know about you, but I am definitely looking forward to 2021. We've got a lot of great things that we've been cooking up for the last couple of months that we have scheduled to come out for 2021, and I cannot wait to tell you. So today, I'm excited to welcome a woman in supply chain who is the Vice President of Human Resources for the Americas for a logistics company that's a good friend of the show. She's had an impressive career to date with expertise spanning all functions of HR, gained in leadership roles specifically within the tech and logistics space. She has a lot of great insights to share, but I'm not going to tell you who she is until after our question of the week. So the question of the week was, what are your predictions for supply chain trends in 2021? This got a lot of people going. Susan Walsh, I think people will go back to buying local rather than out of town retail parks or online. 
Interesting, because that's a prediction that Audrey Ross made on a recent episode of Thoughts and Coffee as well. Larry Lung says, even with what we know now and what we think we know about the future, it'll continue to be difficult to forecast demand for items that have spiked this past year. Um, Lisa says, I think we will see more focus on resource utilization and commercial impact. Nick Romer, all about sustainability. Ahmad says, stronger AI and smart contracts will immensely be on top of the 2021 trends. Um, we've got Jonathan, he says the dominant story will be constrained supply of boxes and equipment brought on by continued consumer demand and disciplined action by the carriers. Digital transformation will continue at pace. Touted blockchain projects will continue to fail, and there will be an increased need for companies to deploy trusted data solutions and to enhance their cybersecurity posture. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Anindya says predictions for 2021 is to be data driven in all aspects, agile mindset, responsiveness, digital marketing, self-care and self-awareness. James J. Curtis, everyone is going to want to start deploying digital business networks. These will serve to digitalize everything outside the enterprise as well as within. Isis says, my bets are direct-to-customer, local, ultra-short supply chains, E2E visibility and sustainability. Sheldon, fresh tech and innovative new data sets to promote meaningful agility. Krissa says, I think e-commerce as it right as it is right now will be sustained through much of 2021. So very different from the comment we had earlier. Jim Han says more conferences than ever before. Michaela, so much more digitalization. And uh, that's pretty much it. Thank you so much for everybody who participated in our question of the week. Remember, we ask one every single Wednesday morning on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and we love to see all of your comments there. So now back to today's podcast and the wonderful woman in supply chain I have with me today is is Sanya Mystery Kuya. From gaining her degree in organi- organizational psychology and human resources management, Sanya has gone on to achieve huge success in her field. Leadership roles at companies like Flextronics, Solectron, and Megat have led her to her current role at Apex, where she's been doing some incredible work for the past five years. Today, Sanya will be talking to us about her long-standing HR career, her passion for people, and the future of business. So welcome to the show, Sanya. Thank you, Sarah, and thank you for inviting me. I look forward to our conversation today. Very happy to be here. I am so excited to talk to you today because a lot of conversations I've been having recently seem to be about technology and automation, which is great. I mean, I'm a tech CEO after all, but it's really nice to have a conversation with someone who's all about the people, right? So I'm really passionate about the importance of people. The people in this community are very, very important, and I know that you're passionate about it too. So let's get started. Let's start at the beginning. I love to hear people's stories, so please tell Tell us yours. Um, as I mentioned in the intro, you have a degree in organizational psychology and human resources management. So I presume you always wanted to have a career in HR. Is that right? Um, actually, I wanted to have a career in clinical psychology rather than organizational psychology. 
But, you know, as I was progressing with my studies, um, it became more apparent to me that maybe my path is better suited in organizational psychology than, uh, you know, rather than a clinical setting. So, you know, as I was approaching my graduation, Cal State Long Beach, actually, one of the very first programs in the nation, they opened it up in human resources. So it kind of drew me to that. And, you know, I got my degree in that. And it was actually, you know, in hindsight, a perfect synergy uh, that just solidified my passion to do what I do today. You know, be part of uh, not only an organization, but also, you know, give a little bit back to the people. I love that. So your path really started in post-secondary education, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you started in psychology, you made a shift into human resources, and that's really what you've done with with all of your career, right? Yes, in a sense. Yes, in a sense. Because, um, you know, clinical psychology is a little bit different in a sense where you're sitting in an office, you're listening to a client that comes in and see what kind of impact you might have on that one person at a time versus I get to have an impact as, on a workforce and, you know, with my actions and what I do. So, um, you know, it has uh, formed into a career that I enjoy very much. It sounds like you are the perfect person for that <laughs> position. And, you know, Apex is really lucky to have you. So you're VP of HR for the Americas for Apex. And I believe it was a newly created role when you started five years ago. Was that role actually created for you? Uh, yes, indeed it was. Um, it was a brand new uh, created role. Um, they had some HR, you know, functions that they were doing, but they created this role uh, to establish the HR infrastructure you know, because the company is growing rapidly. And I just happened to be the person, you know, Sarah, honestly, that was selected to be the architect of HR for Apex's America's region. Um, so, you know, it has been a very, very uh, fun ride and I look forward to it. And, 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 you know, it was a role that was created based on uh, what the requirements will be for the future Apex growth. Amazing. I mean, that must just feel incredible to be a part of something like that and to really be able to build up a department. I mean, it's not every day that you're, you're sort of a, a role is created for you and you're handed the reins to say, hey, let's let's build an amazing HR division. Yeah, you know, it, it's, a, it's a, a find that's one in a million in that sense. And I just happen to be in the right place at the right time, uh, talking to the right people. And I'm very fortunate to have had this opportunity. Uh, and I'm thankful every day for it. Awesome. Awesome. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about what you do for Apex? I mean, you're building or you have built this team in the HR division. And um, so, but break it down for us. What exactly do you do? Okay. So, you know, as a head of HR for Apex, um, I'm basically, I'm strategically responsible for all of the North America branches in the, with, you know, in the realm of HR, uh, which does encompasses things such as um, human capital management, you know, just a gamut of in that inclusive of all of the HR stuff that, uh, you know, we go through from HR operations to talent management, L&D, workforce management, benefit strategies, HR policies, uh, legal compliance. But, you know, last but not least, that is near and dear to my heart, Sarah, is employee relations. Yeah. So, you know, which is which speaks a lot to, you know, the culture of the company and whatnot. So that it all, has always been near and dear to my heart. 
Yeah, and it's a really important role in any company, um, especially in any culture. So, talk to me a little bit about that. I mean, that's that's your passion. That's something that you, that is really, really important to you, and I'm sure something that helps you get up every day. So, tell us a little bit about the impact that you're able to make through that. Right. So, you know, employee relations is different per person, right? You might have a different need today and you might have a different need tomorrow. Your coworker might be doing something today, but they may be doing something tomorrow. And it's a balancing act to have to make sure your employees are engaged in that. But employee relations on a broader scale is just meaning that, you know, when an employee walks in your office, you're there for them. And right. you're there to resolve their issues as well as tell them if they're not on the right track. You know, we're not a complaint department that comes in. That's not how I look at employee relations. Um, there's a lot of HR, you know, professional that may look at employee relations as HR complaints. But to me, you know, those people that come in and they speak to you and they raise an issue and at the same time who bring forth the solution, some of those relationships that you cultivate from an HR standpoint with an employee, you can carry that message forward with your CEOs and the executives. Because a lot of times, you know, they're so busy right? They're busy giving out directions and they just want the task to be done. Uh, And the impact that the employee goes through or some of the information that they may want to take up the channel, you won't be able to do that if your employees do not trust the HR department and say, hey, I want to talk to you. What do you think? And that's what I mean to me by employee relations is having that touch point with them, you know, where they feel um, safe and, and free to speak. And they know that that message will be carried forward um, you know, in a positive method, even though um, it may be where, you know, they don't get recognized, but at the same time, that information was given for betterment of the company. So that's how I kind of look at employee relations um, as far as employees coming in and talking with us and we take some of that messages forward that, you know, helps grow the company. Yeah. And I think, you know, retention is top of mind for a lot of supply chain professionals and their teams, as well as businesses in general. And so I think the way that you look at employee relations is really a key factor of making an impact into the retention of employees. And the other thing that I really like about what you were just talking about is I feel like you and your team are master communicators, right? You're balancing the act between, you know, and and they're very delicate acts, right? Because you're dealing with people's emotions and feelings and, and their thought processes, their perspectives. And sometimes you're having to change that sometimes you are having to take that to another group and be able to communicate that effectively to become, to be able to have that solution that everybody trusts. So it's, it's like you guys are master community communicators and it's, it's a bit of a balancing act, I would imagine. Yeah. Cause you know, HR is in the middle. It's in the center. You're the facilitator. You are the hub of the company between employee, the workforce, management and also, you know, your management within itself. So you have to be able to carry a message forward in that sense, whether sometimes it's a positive message or negative message. And the true thing, you know, is um, it's not what you say, it's how you say it and how you deliver yes. that message. And it, it, it you know, it, it is a something that you have to be mindful of, especially when you, um, you know, have to carry a message forward, they may not be all that positive. So yeah, I, I you know, I try my best to make sure that I'm delivering the right messages that needs to be delivered. 
I love that. Well, Apex, they're really committed committed to diversity and inclusion. In fact, they sponsor our new show, Blended. Mm-hmm. And from what I hear, they have over 80% minority employed and 42% female executive leadership. So as a woman of Indian descent, what's it like to work for a company that champions a wider talent base? You know, how important is that to you to be part of? You know, that is a great question, Sarah. Um, you know, and it's a question that is out on everybody's mind right now because in today's polarized atmosphere, right, um, being part of an organization um, that values you is more important than ever because that right. engagement you're only going to get if they know, truly know in their hearts that you are valued. You know, and as a senior executive, um, I really could not be prouder to be part of such a blended organization. You know, it's really important for a person to feel they're part of the team and if they're a value, because, you know, you can just go and hire anyone you want and anyone you like. However, if they are not being valued, that'll come through. So, you know, it's just not possible to be a blended, diversified company, in my opinion, by just hiring people from different backgrounds. I feel that it is only important and possible when you have top leadership team value their voice in diversity, right? So like you said, I myself, I'm of an Indian American descent. And I came to America when I was 12 years old with my parents. Um, It would have been easy for Apex, Sarah, to have hired someone who is fluent in their native language. You know, very, very, you know, being head of HR, it would be very easy to hire someone who speaks the fluent native language of Apex. But you know, our CEO, Elsie Chan, she looked past that, you know, she looked at my credentials, she looked at the value uh, that I brought, and she, you know, looked at my experience, she looked at my background. And most of all, she valued my different culture. And she actually just helped pave the way for me to lead HR. Because if it wasn't for that type of support, I don't think we can call ourselves to be blended or diversified um, organization. So, so in that right. sense, yeah, and in that sense, you know, Apex has shown that blendedness and diversified culture. Um, and I, I actually serve as a, you know, a, as an example for Apex in that sense. Because um, again, I, I, you know, it could have been so easy for them to hire someone in the native language, but she chose to say, I value this, this is what I want. And this is, you know, something that I um, can bring to the table from a different perspective. So being part of this, DEI organization, it has been uh, very welcoming, and I could not be prouder, Sarah. Yeah, and I think you made a good point there. You know, it comes from the top, and it's great to hear that, you know, Elsie took a look at all of the factors, right? I mean, sometimes when we're hiring for a position, things get lost. You know, like you said, there could be some unconscious bias there, but she really looked past that and she looked into exactly who you are and valued you as a human being and what you could bring to that organization. I think the other really key point that you made there as well is valuing perspectives, innovative ideas. Mm -hmm. It's not just a box that we need to check. It's a way of life in your culture. And it comes from every single person in that organization to value the perspectives, make it a safe place for people to speak up and voice their opinions, although (laughs) they might be different to what you have currently or what you've traditionally done or how you think about different things. And I think the last thing that I love to hear about that story is the women supporting women. I mean, (laughs) that is a classic example 
of what we need in this industry of women supporting women to, to take a look and see who they are as a human being, support them in the decisions that they're making and help guide them at the same time. Yes. And, and, you know, and, and that I have seen that over and over again in Apex. Um, and I think that's what, you know, it's part of the success story that Apex has that, you know, that is attested to Elsie herself. So yeah, yeah it's a, uh, it is, um, you know, a company that does absolutely value that. I'm an attestant to that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm so glad that we, we were able to touch on that story in this conversation. So you've worked consistently in the technology, engineering, and logistics space. So what drew you to and kept you in these industries? You know, technology and engineering, um, it's in my family's blood, Sarah. So that was like an easy space for me to be in. Um, half of my family's engineers, you know, half of them are in IT and some of them are in, in, in healthcare. So that was an easy space for me to be in growing up in it. Um, you know, if there's a symbiotic relationship between engineering and, you know, technology, that those two platforms. So I was naturally drawn to it and I actually seeked it out and I pursued it accordingly, right? I wanted to work at electronics tech company and then there was a Megid. So my career was molded in manufacturing in that sense. Uh, but however, you know, my career took a different turn um, in logistics. Um, I wasn't really seeking to be in logistics type interest, um, but I was at a point in my career, Sarah, where I felt in order for me to keep growing within other facets of HR, being, you know, 15 years in the manufacturing space, um, that may not be sufficient. So I was ready to take a leap in another space. And then I got introduced to our CEO, Elsie. After I met her, Sarah, I saw the passion in her for moving mm -hmm. the company forward and how very important HR was to her. And she wanted to, you know, take it to the next level. And that's why she had newly created this position for Apex Americas because she valued it. You know, it wasn't something that she was trying to check a box or, or have a gap, you know, just fill it in there, just make sure things are running okay. So she asked me to present a, a strategic three-year HR plan and what we can do to move the company forward from an HR standpoint. Um, and then, you know, after that, I did my presentation. After that, as they say, it was history. And here we are today. Um, and it's, you know, it's been wonderful to have a CEO that supports HR um, in the way that she does. And, you know, not just her, all, you know, all the executives that I've worked with, um, they have uh, been a very big supporter in making sure that our team is, I guess, in a sense, happy, healthy, and, you know, that we're able to give them and they're able to give us both, you know, it's both ways um, moving forward. So, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. And I'm sure logistics has, has provided you uh, different challenges than you've seen in technology and engineering as well, because we're we're a fun bunch of people. That's for sure. <laughs> a whole, um, I can say, a whole different perspective, Sarah. Yeah. A whole different perspective, you know, because engineering and, and manufacturing, you go on the floor, you know, you go on technology and you, you're just there hustling and bustling. And you see it and what they're doing. Logistics, not so much. Then logistics, this happens with your other tools, right? It's the people who are the customer service people that make those things happen, uh, yeah. you know, move our economy forward. So, yeah, uh, it, it has been a, a good, good uh, learning experience. I love to hear that. Well, 
Since you started your career in HR back in the 90s, I imagine a lot has changed. So how people are working with technology, the ever-growing focus on diversity and inclusion that we touched on earlier, what changes or trends have you observed over the years? Oh, the 1990s. Um, Okay, so in the early 1990s, um, I, you know, I was still going to school, but I would say, you know, in most in the, in the, in the mid 90s, HR was heavily manual there. So, you know, there was a focus on hiring and getting people paid, right? There was not really a technology in HR that people can turn to. Uh, A lot of payroll was done manually. You know, you have two people doing 100 people's payroll because that's what needed to be done every single week. Uh, So over the years, technology has played a big part of where HR is today. And with some of the technological changes, HR has gone through a sweeping transformation, you know, that has turned into something better and more efficient um, at meeting the, the modern workforce's need in a sense. So it has given HR professionals that trend from the manual to technology. And there's a lot of a different HR, you know, softwares and stuff out there. Um, it has given actually HR a, a time and a profession that focuses on more talent management as a whole, Sarah, than just having to do those paper pusher, right? I mean, there's always, you know, need for that. You have the files and whatnot, but now we have electronic files. Now we can actually pay more attention with the executive to see how we can become a better business partners and not just an administrative branch of the organization. So those are some of the trends that I've seen over the years that I've been in HR. Yeah, and technology has played a huge part of that. So what do you see for the future? Are there any trends or challenges that you're you're keeping an eye on or that you see changing it even further into the future? You know, from a just an, like an organizational perspective, um, I think there'll be a bigger focus on DEI, you know, speaking on societal issues, um, especially because of the global pandemic that we cannot get away from right now from just having in a conversation, right? (laughs) It's just like part of our conversation right now. And, you know, it it will now, I think, play a bigger role and a part of the conversation. Um, And I think employers are going to need to be more sensitive to the topic uh, because it's part of a whole um, person. It's not just, well, this is your work life and this is your personal life. You know, I think there's going to be also more recognition now that people from different cultures and backgrounds, they enhance the workplace culture. Um, you know, that, that brings more to the table. And I also think that there's going to be maybe a focus more on remote workplace experience, you know, how working from home might have to become part of the new norm. Uh, you yeah. know, we like transition into the next stage of COVID-19. Uh, so in my opinion, I think going forward, you know, that whole human element movement overall, I think will be some of the trends that companies will be looking out for and they're going to have to focus on. Yeah. And you, you bring me on to my next question because mm. you've dedicated your career to HR. And so you obviously, obviously believe in people. But wh- what I mentioned at the beginning of the show was that I've had some interesting conversations recently about AI and machine learning. Mm-hmm. And I think there's some hesitation in regards to that technology from um, you know, employees on the front lines and things like that as to whether technology is going to take over from people, or there's also discussions about people working with technology. So my question to you then is, are people still the future? You know, I feel, Sarah, that um, if we have learned anything from an AI transformation, uh, you know, I don't think it's yet there yet, uh, capable of replacing human elements. I really don't. 
Um, because, you know, people are that part of your organization. And I guess what I mean by that is, yes, I think people are still in the future. Um, you know, their jobs obviously might look a little different, but I still feel they're going to be in the picture. Um, you know, the current pandemic has showed us that human connection is wired in our brains, right? Um, so I think AI can, AI can give us the connection, the efficiency, the productivity and transfer, transparency. But I really think that, you know, it cannot give the human voice when we want to just speak to a live person when we're calling a customer service, right? And yeah. in logistics, that is the key, uh, the heartthrob of being mm-hmm. a big part of logistics. It's like, who do I need to talk to? How do I move my cargo? What has happened? Um, so I've, I think there is a room for both. And it has the technology will lead us into a better future. But I also think the human ingenuity, I think that is always going to be needed. And um, people are going to be a big part of the future. Yeah, I, <laughs> I agree with you on that. A lot of the things that I usually talk to people about is that, you know, human beings bring create creativity. They bring Mm -hmm. strategy and strategic thinking, and you're not going to take that away. And so I think the roles might shift, Mm -hmm. but I think that it opens us up into new innovative roles that we haven't even thought about before. And to some, that's scary. To some, that's exciting, but I think only only we only the future knows, right? I think we we have to just go with what's happening right now. Take a look at some of the technolo- technological advances, get familiar with them mm-hmm. as well. I think that that's a key element when people are looking to upskill. Is that you really need to take a look at technology and understanding even one component of technology so that you can better yourself and better your role in the future of the company that you're working for. Yeah, you know, I couldn't agree more because, like, uh, you know, it's like enhancing employee training. You know, that will be essential so that the employees are better equipped to transition, you know, both. For example, if they're working in the office or out of the office or, you know, when someone's calling or how do I give that that voice to the customer that's calling. So, I, yeah, I completely agree with you with that, on that. There's room for both and I think both will be needed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up voice because I always love asking women in this series how they found their voice. <laughs> Because confidence, self-esteem, and finding your place in a is a big issue for a lot of women in big business. Can you mm-hmm. remember a moment where it all sort of came together for you and you really stepped into the light and found your voice? Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, if you're finding my voice, to me, Sarah, has always been like building your credibility with confidence, right? So to me, it, it was not only just about speaking about meetings, you know, with a loud voice, because you probably know this, there's always going to be someone with a louder voice at the table than you. Um, but, you know, I found that the C-suite will turn to you if they trust you. Um, so I've had some of those moments where I can look back and say, okay, so this is where I was promoted or this is what they told me. And some of the, I guess, the specific moments that come into my mind are, um, you know, when I was asked for the first time without any background or experience to lead a union contract negotiation for a public company. You know, and then I was asked to develop a global graduate program uh, for to grow engineers um, in house rather than having to go look for them because, you know, there's just not that many out there. Um, just asked to be a, a talent management expert's need for a global HR system that we were implementing. So, you know, some of those projects that were given my way, I felt like, okay, I, I think I have my voice. Otherwise, I would not have been asked to be participation or actually lead some of these programs. 
So um, yeah, there have been plenty, you know, there've been plenty, but those are some of the ones that come to mind. But honestly, awesome. Sarah, I, I, I'm a firm believer that you can find your voice by showing your skills, knowledge, and ability, right? Because yeah. um, what a voice can't do, your actions will show. Yeah. I love that. I love that. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. I mean, it, I and I, I I express this a lot, right? Because everybody's journey is different. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily straight. It's there's a whole bunch of different curves. People find their voice in a variety of different ways, and it's not one size fits all for everybody. And that's you know, and it's only from conversations like this that we can shed light on that and really inspire people in this industry and the next generation of this industry as well. So I'm really glad that you shared that with us. (laughs) So on your journey so far, what have you learned about yourself and what does the future hold for you? Uh, Okay. So I think my family will say this, um, you know, learning to be patient, right? It's a virtue. I know it's a cliche. Um, I have a type A personality, um, Sarah, so um, I have to slow down. But you know, to that contrary, I work well under pressure with the plan that I need to execute. So it is a, it's, a, it's a balancing act, but I suppose, but you know, I learned to concentrate that a task on hand and a project accomplish that is with uh, good detail, right? With execution by doing your best will lead to your self-progression. I've kind of learned that over time where, you know, I want to progress, but I cannot just progress if I didn't finish that task wholly, completely, and with passion. So I guess in mm-hmm. reflection, I've learned that, you know, both uh, matters the most. And the climate that we're living in right now, what I've learned now is that your work family is just as important as your own family. And that yeah. equal attention should be given to both. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You actually remind <laughs> me of a, of a saying, that one of my favorite sayings, and, and one that I put on LinkedIn uh, just a couple of weeks ago, was uh-huh. progress, not perfection. Yes. You know, it's like there's a saying that says, you know, uh, paralysis by analysis, right? Yeah. So it's like, okay, it's like, I got to move on. I cannot just, you know, continue to analyze this in order for me to progress forward. So I've had, I've had challenges with that. I had to learn that as I, you know, progress in my career. Amazing. Amazing. Well, it's all about the journey, right? I mean, that's, that's why we're here today. So finally, um, what advice do you have for girls and women looking to follow in your footsteps? Oh gosh, um, somebody who wants to follow my footsteps. Um, you know, I, I've always seen myself, Sarah, as I've just done the best I could and with a passion because if I didn't believe in the job that I was doing, I, I would just be going through the motion. Um, and I, I learned this from one of my mentors a long time ago is, you know, it's always better to under promise and over deliver. And your word and your credibility is what will lead you to success. Success. That has stuck with me throughout my career. So early on in my career, you know, I learned that that your word and your credibility is what will lead you to success. And I followed that. Um, you know, uh, when I speak to people, I'm transparent with them because people can see through you, right? Especially if you want to be in HR and you want to help progress in that organization and make sure your employees are engaged, you need to um, be credible. And that comes through whether you're on the phone like I am with you or whether you're sitting in person or whether you're on the screen. So I would say, you know, just do the best you can and your word and your credibility will take you a long ways. Yeah. Yeah. And integrity. I would I would put integrity yeah. in there as well. You know, doing what you say you're going to do. 
Absolutely. Yeah. It's a cliche, right? It's like, do what you say. Um, but yeah, it, it, you know, that has helped me to succeed in my career where I'm at today is, um, you know, I just, I didn't want to let people down. Right. Uh, so mm-hmm. I worked extra hard to make sure it didn't matter to me what my coworker already doing. This is my project. I need to make sure it gets done. If my team member was not there, was not able to help, I had to pitch in for them and not, yeah. you know, not throw blame game because we were all in it together. Yeah, yeah. And it's something that I've always held myself up to is that, you know, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to follow through and absolutely do it or get it done through (laughs) gritted teeth sometimes. (laughs) Um, But you learn from those as well. And you learn where to say no. Um, which is a huge, important part of that journey as well. So this has been wonderful. It's been so inspiring. And I love to hear some of your great insights as well. I mean, not just for women in supply chain, but for all of us in our industry and how we move forward. So do head over to LinkedIn and connect with Sanya. Head over to Apex Logistics if you're interested in finding more about them as well. And thank you again, Sanya, for coming on the show, sharing genuinely your story, your journey to success, and all of the insights that you've learned along the way. Thank you, Sarah, for having me. Um, You know, it was wonderful speaking to you, and I look forward to speaking to you in the future. This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder of Border Buddy, has to say. More and more companies are looking to expand their reach into global markets, but most don't know where to start or don't have the time to figure it out. Border Buddy sees the struggle and has found a way for you to integrate customs into your e-commerce site, allowing you peace of mind when selling to customers in other countries. Your customers will know exactly how much the costs are to import their order from you to their door in real time. And just imagine what that will do for your business and your sales. Visit us and sign up for 10% off your first clearance at borderbuddy.com slash let's talk supply chain. If you would like to hear more from us here at Let's Talk Supply Chain, we have plenty more podcasts for you featuring the best and the brightest in the industry. Head over to letstalksupplychain.com forward slash podcast to check out the latest. And don't forget to come back next week where I am going to be joined by Convoy. That's right. They're here to tell us all about what they are currently up to. So you're not going to want to miss that. If you enjoy our podcast, there are a few ways to support the show. You can follow us. Follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. You can sign up to our newsletter at letstalksupplychain.com. We are now also Let's Talk Supply Chain over on YouTube. So go and subscribe today. Next, visit ships.com. That's S-H-I-P-Z.com and sign up. We are in full beta. And if you are a forwarder or a shipper that wants to streamline the pricing of your air freight and your ocean freight ship, gain access to more choice worldwide and utilize the best of data to reduce shipping risks, then you won't want to miss out on our platform. So head over to ships, that's S-H-I-P-Z or Z.com. You can also find some really cool merch and purchase our exclusive supply chain dictionary in our shop over at letstalksupplychain.com. And remember, if you'd like to be featured on an upcoming episode, head over to Apple Podcasts rate and review the show and we will mention your review on an upcoming episode a great week everyone thanks for listening and remember ship happens